Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Thanks, Nat. Welcome, everyone. Great to be here this morning. Uh, and let me add my special welcome to you if you're a mum. Happy Mother's Day. And especially those who are tuning in. I suspect there's lots tuning in from home today. So welcome. And I'm Michael, one of the pastors here at Salt Church. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you today. Uh, well, as Tim mentioned, lots of, uh, lots of mixed emotions with Mother's Day. In fact, uh, for all the mixed emotions there are in this room, uh, there's an incredible lot of grief in our community, isn't there, about family, brokenness, um, parenthood. Uh, there's a lot of grief. Uh, but I, I want to, this morning, just recognise, just for a moment before we begin, uh, something incredibly special that's happening in our midst. Uh, that is the gift of motherhood that God's given us. Uh, and even the gift to raise children to love and serve the Lord Jesus. Now, that's an incredible thing. Uh, we, we need to honour our mums. We need to give thanks to God for the gift of motherhood in our midst. Uh, some of us have been uh, benefactors of mums who've done that for us. Uh, many mums here doing that. So let's encourage them. In fact, it is a goal here at SALT. We want to see a whole generation of kids raised up to love and serve the Lord Jesus. Uh, and that's going to be through parents, but it's actually going to be through all of us uh, in the end at Salt Church. So let's keep encouraging and honouring mums. And now here's uh, a question that I put out on social media to you guys this week. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received from your mum? Now I wonder how you'd answer that. What's the best advice you've ever received from your mum? Uh, here's um, some answers. Uh, one person said, keep going. The mum, their mum said, keep going. You can do it. I suspect um, that needs to be filled out a little bit. Um, not everything I did, my mum would have said, keep going and doing. Um, here's another one. As long as uh, you're trying... Sorry, the print's so small. Tr- as long as you're trying your best in regards to school and uni and not comparing your- yourself to others. Uh, there's a good piece of advice. But here's a real cracker. Check how your boyfriend treats his mum before you commit to anything. I reckon that's profound advice. I reckon that's a really wise mum. Uh, There it is. The way someone treats his mum might be a good indicator of how they'll treat you. Um, Now we're all feeling quite nervous about that piece of advice, aren't we? But um, what we're going to do today, we're going to actually think about how God has treated us. How God has treated us. And, And some of the implications, major implications... Uh, massive implications uh, for the way that we see ourselves, our expectations, our relationships with others, as we reflect on the great thing that God has done for us. Uh, so we're in our series, uh, the book of Hosea, Relentless Love. Uh, if you remember back to last week, last week was the sting of betrayal in relationship. Heavy week. Um, we're changing gears slightly this week. We're going to explore the beauty of restored relationships as we delve into chapters 2 and 3. So why don't I pray for us? Our Heavenly Father, please uh, help us this morning uh, to listen, uh, to tune in to what you have to say to us. Uh, Father, thank you for this story of Hosea and Gomer, of the wonderful restoration uh, that you will speak 
into our lives and remind us of, uh, even this morning. Our Lord, please help us to take it in. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, have Hosea chapter 2 in front of you. Uh, we're going to skip through Hosea 2 and 3 this morning. Um, but let's recap, uh, if, you, if you've forgotten where we're at. Hosea, maybe you weren't here last week. We're sitting 800 years before Jesus, so 2,800 years ago. Uh, we're talking real people, real places, real history in the book of Hosea. Uh, God is speaking through the prophet Hosea and he's speaking to his own people, God's people in the northern kingdom. Uh, so it's a divided kingdom, north and south, uh, Israel, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And that kingdom to the north is a materialistic, comfortable, idol-worshipping nation. And they're about to face the destruction by the Assyrian Empire to the north. And God has given a a role to Hosea, go and speak to your people, to my people, Uh, speak my word. But we saw last week, it's not just speak God's word, enact God's word. That's the special role that Hosea has. His his whole life is going to be one giant sermon illustration. Isn't that wonderful? Um, So as people, uh, how will they hear from God? They'll hear Hosea speak, but they'll look at his life and go, that's what God is saying to us see it and, and, and uh, hear it. Uh, so you remember in chapter 1, verse 2, what is Hosea commanded to do by God? Marry a promiscuous woman, Goma. And why does God ask him to do that? God wants uh, his people to understand something about who he is and something about who they are. And here's, here's the heavy moment that fell on us last week. God was saying to his people, you are the unfaithful one. You, you are like Gomer, uh, who's married to Hosea. Look at verse, flick back to verse 2 of chapter 1, remind ourselves. Like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so God is wanting to communi- communicate something horrifically shocking that has happened. There is Israel, who's, who's been who's experienced the deep, deep love of God, the ironclad uh, commitment of God, there they are, they've prostituted themselves uh, with other gods. Um, They've bowed down to altars and shrines to the north, they've worshipped the Baals, the gods of the nations. And so what does God do? God hits them up, God calls them out, he confronts them, you are an unfaithful nation, like the unfaithful woman, Goma. And what's he saying? Understand this, Israel, the God that loved you into existence, protected you, fed you, gathered you, cherishes you, uh, fights for you. The God who stood at the altar and committed to you, never to leave you, that is the God that you've betrayed. Very, very uh, heavy, isn't it? You spat in the face of a holy, good and perfect God. And we're meant to see how scandalous this is, how offensive this is. See, when, when Hosea marries the promiscuous Gomer, God wants his people to know, you are that unfaithful one. You are the adulteress. And God is angry with his people. See, Gomer is the woman and Israel is the nation that have indulged in spiritual 
adultery. What is God saying? I've loved you, I've committed to you, and you have betrayed me. You've gone off with other gods. Uh, we saw last week, it's, it's a precious image, isn't it? It's, it's that image of a marriage, a perfect marriage, a holy marriage that they have stomped on, they have broken, they have betrayed. Uh, it's, it's that beautiful picture of one woman and one man. But it's bigger than that. It's actually God saying, I am your husband. You are my wife. This is the marriage in heaven. This is the big marriage. This is the marriage that human marriage points to. This is the marriage you must honour, you must get right. And Israel, you've dishonoured it in the most blatant way. And what have they done? They've worshipped the Baals, they've made idols from the very good gifts that God's given them. They've forgotten that God sustains them, God keeps them, that every good gift they have has come from God. And they've gone off on their own, worshipping other gods, idolising the very things that God's given them to enjoy and give glory to Him. And we saw last week that by extension, this is actually a picture of all humanity. It's not even just Israel. This is what all of humanity does. This is what all of us have done. Though God has made us, though God has given us life and health and safety for all our enjoyment... We've said, no, God, I'll run life my way without you. And we actually go off and pursue life and satisfaction and hope and purpose in other things, in other people. Even in the very good gifts that God's given us. We chase money, career, house, sport. And it's outrageously wrong. It, it is wrong, but it's actually hideously wrong it's it's offensively wrong can you see we saw it last week if if you didn't pick this up uh, if you haven't looked at Isaiah chapter one reflect on it it's pers- it's deeply personal this broken relationship this refusal of our great god and uh and like goma like israel as we chase after other gods we won't be satisfied if we ignore god if our satisfaction isn't in him, it'll be that endless, tragic chase to find hope and life, but it won't last, it won't satisfy. And, and two things that God does, God says he's going to call judgment down on the north. Um, so we saw that last week, the, uh, they have three children, uh, Jezreel, Lo-Ruhamah, Lo-Ami, uh, all, all say to the community loudly and clearly in this giant sermon illustration... Uh, judgment is coming, I I do not love you, Uh, you are not my people. Make no mistake, it is inevitable, it will happen and it did happen as the north, the northern Assyrian kingdom in the year 722 came down and destroyed them. Now that, that is a shocking piece of history, isn't it? That a nation is wiped out, the northern kingdom, and I think we are shocked that God would bring such devastating judgment upon his people. But I mentioned to you last week, and let me ask you again, there's something here that should shock us more. And let's be shocked and astonished by it again this week. And let's delve into it. But let's think about it in terms of human relationships. I asked you last week, let me ask you again. What would you say to a woman whose husband has betrayed her in the most awful way? blatant adultery 
Is it right that he expects, after treating her so appallingly, is it right that he comes back into the home, expects things to be as they were, expects food and the privileges of relationship and shelter and security from her and the family? The question is, does she have to have him back? And I said to you last week, and I want to say to you again this week, I hope your answer is no. She doesn't have to have him back. And that's, the, that's what we're meant to see here. God doesn't have to have Israel back. And God doesn't have to have us back. See, what we're meant to see here is that we're the ones who've broken the covenant. We're the ones who've broken the marriage promise. And along with Israel, we've, we've despised the giver. We've spurned the very one who's given us every good gift to be enjoyed. And the question is, is it still right that we would expect God to shower us with his good gifts and his privileges, his kindness? Well, we, it's not right. God doesn't owe us anything. The amazing thing about uh, Hosea is God is going to forgive Israel and God forgives us. See, I said it last week, we're astonished that God would judge, but we should be astonished that God forgives, that God has mercy. And we're going to press into that uh, this morning because look at, look at what's happened. Israel has deserted God in the, in the most blatant way. She's done it over and over and over again. And astonishingly, God wants her back. Have a look at it with me in chapter 3, verse 1. God says to Hosea, here's the, the, the giant sermon illustration continuing. Have a look at what Hosea is about to do. This is powerful. Go and love again your unfaithful wife. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. The raisin cakes, uh, you lose a bit of the mood there at that point, don't you? <laughs> um, Apparently, it's just food associated with worshipping other gods and the nations. Uh, there's nothing wrong with raisins, so don't, don't, don't worry. Uh, but it's, it's more significant than that, isn't it? Such is Gomer's unfaithfulness. Notice uh, as we go down to verse 2, he has to buy her out of slavery, uh, presumably out of prostitution. Hosea is paying to release her from the pimp. Uh, she's, she's got herself enslaved, uh, it's, it's a picture of desperation. Um, it's a picture of, remember when Jesus spoke about the, the prodigal son, the lost son, the son that goes off and deserts the father who wants to live his own life but just wants to enjoy the good things of God. And that picture is life is okay for a while without God but then it turns ugly and, he, and it turns to, to being destitute. He, he turns to being destitute and poor and it's the picture that we need God and will only find satisfaction in him and so here it is Hosea heart-wrenchingly rescuing his own wife out of slavery out of out of prostitution and why does God get Hosea to do this it's to teach us what God is going to do for Israel and what God wants to do for us so it's very clear isn't it Hosea uh, sorry, Israel doesn't deserve God's love and faithfulness. 
But God gives it to them. That's what God is like. Uh, Do you see the extraordinary love of God that he would do such a thing? Do you see it in this picture of Hosea and Goma, in all her desperation and rebellion? This is the God of love. And there's a particular kind of love that the Old Testament talks here uh, to describe God's love at this point. It's the Hebrew word, it's, it's the word hesed. I'm sure there's a better way of saying it than that. Uh, but it's hesed love. It's not affectionate love. It's not brotherly, sisterly love. It's not erotic love. It's steadfast love. Firm, strong love that commits. It's loyal love. It's, it's the choice love. It's merciful love. It's the not because you deserve it kind of love, but because I want to give it to you kind of love. Now, I think we see a small glimpse of this kind of love in human relationships, not, af- not often enough. It is a small glimpse, isn't it? Uh, maybe you've experienced it. But there is the love of God, the hesed, steadfast, choice love of God. Now, last week I told you the heart-wrenching story of a couple I pastored through adultery, a husband who foolishly and repeatedly gave in to sexual temptation uh, with another woman, and uh, that woman who bragged about it with uh, his wife. Uh, I I spoke to you about the massive hurt, the world of pain uh, that that couple went through, but I did tell you that that story had a good ending. I think it was at least a few weeks before she permitted him back into their house. Uh, For a long time, she struggled to even look at him for what he had done. Uh, She felt dirty, she felt ashamed, and he was the one who who had sinned. And I thought to myself, how is this even possible? Surely this is completely unretrievable. And there he is, he's a completely broken man, uh, needing to afresh understand the forgiveness from God in in just a profound way, in a really difficult way. Uh, Learning again to to come to his wife and beg her for forgiveness. He, He says sorry, he says sorry to her a lot and means it. But then he waits. In fact, lots of friends, lots of church waited Because saying sorry doesn't mean that she has to have him back, does it? Uh, In fact, he couldn't do anything to get her back. He was at the complete mercy of her. Kind of a a very awful situation to be in, but a situation that he created. And then she makes an extraordinary decision. She decides to forgive him. Now, I've got enormous respect for her. Uh, She didn't have to do that. She decided to do that. And then through years, sorry, through months and then years of pain, they are reconciled. They are reunited and they learn to build trust again. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what God has done for you. That's the extraordinary mercy, love, kindness that God has showered on you Uh, here's the thing when we like israel have entirely are are entirely at the mercy of god 
There is nothing we can do to win God's favour. And how astonishing that his hesed love, his steadfast, merciful love, comes to us, forgives us, welcomes us back. And it's not even just welcome us back, isn't it? It's not just, it's not even, it's not a, there's not a hint of begrudging there, is there? This is a welcome back with open arms. This is a welcome back. This is a wooing back. This is a, let me shower you with gifts and privileges. Let's, let's take a little journey through and see that here in, in Hosea. Chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Uh, notice that it was in the reading. God says, despite what you've done, I will make you children of the living God. You were off with other lovers. I will make you my children. You'll be numerous. You'll be a united nation. You'll have one leader, like I always promised you would have. Isn't it it wonderful? Your sin, your unfaithfulness will not be the last word. My mercy and my kindness will do this. Look over in chapter 2, you see it in beautiful poetic uh, language. Here's God speaking to his, his bride. Uh, look at verse 14. I will allure you. I will lead you. I'll speak tenderly to you. I'll give her back her vineyards. I'll make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Verse 16. In that day you will call me husband. Verse 18. In that day I'll make a covenant. I'll make a promise. No more war. My bride will be safe. Or verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you in faithfulness. Uh, There's a picture of blessing there. Look at verse 22. There will be new wine and olive oil. It's, It's a picture of God and his bride, his people in paradise. It's a picture of the promised land. Verse 23, I will show my love to the one I called not my loved. I'll say to those called not my people you are my people and they will say you are my God see the hesed love of God is massive isn't it it's the hesed love of God that sent Jesus into the world it didn't stop with Israel it's it's the hesed love of God that says I will not let you perish in your sin I'm faithful I'm committed to you that's the steadfast, merciful love of God. How far does it go? It goes all the way to Jesus dying on the cross, doesn't it? Taking the sacrifice, in, in his sacrifice, taking our sins upon himself so that we might be forgiven. Uh, have a listen to the Apostle John again that was read out for us. Uh, I learned this week that the Apostle John is known as the Apostle of Love. You might know that. But do you know that Hosea is known as the St. John of the Old Testament? Uh, The parallels with love and God's love. 1 John 4.10 This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's the sharp end. There's the end point of God's hesed love. His steadfast, merciful love for us. Do you appreciate this love? Do you you get it? Let this sink in. This is love. Do you want to know where real love is found? 
as we think about all of the relationships that we are in or want to be in, as we think about what love actually is, here it is. Here's the definition of love. It's God's love for you. See, what does it say? This is love. You might, get, you might find glimpses of love elsewhere, but here is where real love is. Here's the very definition of love. What does it say? Not that we love God. See, very, very important, isn't it? We're not the hero of the Christian story. We didn't, we weren't the ones who loved God. Uh, The hero of the story is not us, it's God who loves us. He loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that amazing? That the holy, perfect, righteous judge who didn't need to bring us back, who's perfectly entitled to judge us, stoops down, loves us so much that he dies for us so that we might be called children of God. Apostle John, Hosea, the whole Bible wants to say, this is love, there is love. Well, let me finish with this as we think about the love of God uh, this morning. When you appreciate this enormous love of God, I reckon it puts all of our relationships in their right context. Uh, It says to us, we're made for this one love. Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, think about this. You are the precious bride of Christ. God's precious church. A child of God. You know God. He loves you. Uh, Who is our husband? Who is the one who's loved us with great faithfulness? It's God. What is the one relationship that will truly satisfy us? It's the one with God. And of course, by the sheer kindness of God, hasn't, isn't God great? He's given us lots of other loving relationships, uh, friendships, brothers and sisters in Christ, mothers, fathers, uh, some of us marriage partners. But it's completely unreasonable uh, to put the burden of our one true love upon any of those relationships. They cannot live up to it. They're not designed for it. The one true love, the one faithful, steadfast love is the love in God. And so I want to say, uh, cherish those relationships. Uh, Cherish your mum today, um, if you have a mum. But cherish all of those relationships. And even in those relationships, model the love of Christ. That's how you'll love those around you. Uh, Model Christ's love, sacrificial love in those relationships. But find your true love in God, in His love, in Him alone. And can I ask uh, you today, just keep thinking into this, keep coming back to this one true love and be assured that is where true love is to be found. Know this love God has for you. It is powerful, it is transforming I was reflecting on on the prayers uh, that the Apostles uh, write for us in the New Testament this week. There's one in Ephesians chapter 3, which is extraordinary. I mean, have you ever uh, thought that the prayers in in the New Testament, they're they're different to the prayers that we often pray because they're so profound? Uh, What does the Apostle Paul pray for in Ephesians chapter 3? Of all the things he could pray for, he prays that we might know this love of God even more. Let me, let me read it for you as we finish. 
Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Can you get hold of that? Because that's where true life is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, this is the love that will sustain us, it will transform us, satisfy us, keep us. This is the love that will last. I want and I pray. Our great Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your love this morning, we are so humbled uh, that though we are the ones who've strayed, uh, though we are the ones who've been unfaithful to you, uh, though we are the ones who've sinned, you've shown enormous kindness and mercy. You've shown your steadfast, merciful, choice love towards us in Christ. Father, thank you for this picture of Hosea and Goma, of you and your people Israel. Uh, Father, thank you that you didn't give up on Israel. And thank you that you haven't and will not give up on us. Thank you for the forgiveness, the kindness, the mercy that you've shown to us in the Lord Jesus and his death for us. Father, please help us to keep pressing into this love, know this love, uh, be transformed by this love, uh, know that this is truly love and our one true love. And Father, help us as we reflect on our relationships with others, help us to enjoy them, uh, help us to give thanks to you for them, help us to love in a way that you call us to love, with, that, with Christ's sacrificial love. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.